Art is too important not to share. Welcome to the Allie and Callie Artcast. Hi, I'm Allie. And I'm Callie. And we're with the Coeur d'Alene Arts and Culture Alliance. Hello. Hello. We are back on this April Fool's Day. That's right. One of my favorite days of the year. Is it really? No, not really. (laughs) (laughs) Just fooling. Just fooling. Today is our cat's birthday. Oh, happy birthday, cat. He's 16. His name is Jugs. 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 He's very pretty. Juggernaut. Oh. But we call him Jugs, and uh, Kevin calls him Fat Kitty. Fat Kitty. Well, hey, Fat Cat. Happy birthday, and Jugs. And he's not fat, really, because the dogs keep eating his food. Oh. Yeah. But well, anyway, it's his birthday. Happy birthday, Jugs. Happy birthday, Jugs. <laughs> and we had to unfortunately say goodbye to my Lucy, yeah. my cat of 14 years. And she had a. She, she was so pretty. She was like a. Uh, what do you think? A, a Siamese. Siamese Balamese. Balamese? Oh. That sounds wrong. Ooh, can't remember now. Oof. This is what happens when you get older. Really? The the words don't come out right and then they don't sound right. Yeah, I don't even know how that feels. Even if they are yet. right. <laughs> I know. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, just fooling. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, she's we had to put her down, but yeah. um, she had a great life and um, now we get new floors. Yay. So, <laughs> oh, I got new floors. You did? Oh, you, <gasps> I love your new basement. Yes. You did some nice awesome. work. Oh, and I did paint my laundry room inspired <gasps> by you. Yay. So, I see? know it's nice to have a yeah. big laundry room. It actually makes me want to do laundry. Yeah. Fresh paint. Yeah. Fresh so floors. So we continued that flooring out at the bottom of the stairs. That's we have nice. new carpet on the stairs and new carpet in my bedroom. I'm so excited. It's yeah. gorgeous. We ordered our uh, flooring from Costco and everybody apparently wants that same flooring and so we'll we'll see how long it takes that's where I got ordered ours from oh I wonder if we got the same stuff yeah I don't know did it say four to six weeks yes yes well it doesn't necessarily take four to six I know they said it was shipped and then I got a message today saying hmm well, there's a delay in your order. Oh. Because we sh- something about weird because shipping. Because everybody wants it? Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. You're just going to be like everybody else. I'll just wait. <laughs> just wait, wait. But we did tear up our... Um, our Italian floor that we had in our kitchen. Oh, that you w- did? Yes, that was fun. My house is a disaster zone. Oh. Please don't come over. <laughs> okay. <laughs> don't come over to the money pit. Okay. That's about what it feels like right now. But Woohoo! Well, don't. April 1st is also a big day for Tubbs Coffee Roasters. I heard that. Yeah. What is it? Tell me. Um, well, we are excited to have Jason Kilmer here from Tubbs Coffee. And Jason, what's today? What's today? Well, thank you. Thank you for having Welcome. me. Welcome. Uh, it's uh, an honor. This is actually my first podcast oh. as a guest. Oh, we're breaking so. him in. We are. Yeah. He's a no virgin. longer a podcast virgin. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> new ground. New ground. <laughs> Today is our one-year anniversary. <gasps> Happy yeah. anniversary. Yay. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Yeah, no fooling. I almost yeah. called it a happy birthday, but I guess it's kind of a birthday Maybe too. it is. Yeah, yeah, maybe it is a birthday versus yeah. an anniversary. I think as a small business owner, uh, that first year is maybe, well, speaking of animals, is equal to dog years. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Where in the last year has it all gone? It's, it's yeah. one of those mm-hmm. uh, exciting sort of roller coasters. 
So tell us what inspired you to open a coffee roaster house. Yes. Yes. Well, inspiration is key. Um, I think I've been fortunate to uh, have been around, um, speaking of culture, the, the food culture, food and beverage culture in some pretty high level um, for about the past uh, 17 years. Mm-hmm. So um, after a interesting career uh, in fishing and the maritime industry where I was really pursuing uh, the 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 scale there to go from deck into the wheelhouse on either commercial fishing or in um, more um, sort of open ocean uh, maritime. Wow! Did you do that in Alaska? Yes. Oh wow! Wow! Yeah. What'd you What'd you fish for? Just curious. Pollock and cod mm. mostly. Yeah, and then we did some. Uh, I tried to go on a king crab fishing trip. That's scary. It was, considering that after about 10 hours when we left the dock, uh, both main engines in this $20 million boat blew. Oh, great. And we sat adrift Ugh. for eight hours. Oh, my God. Yeah, almost. Did that inspire you to get out of? Well, there was a few things. There was a couple fires It's ooh. on on boats. It's yep. very yep. dangerous. Yeah, so there was a few things where I felt like, okay, the, if there's nine lives in this, there went three. Yeah. I'm, I'm out. <laughs> yeah. Right. I should think about another profession. Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, how, you, I think, you know, kind of going back even further, like, uh, our family has never been one to kind of sit at the dinner table and, and, and have, like, these long, drawn-out meals. But uh, in our fractured family, we definitely have experienced... Um, quality meals and mm-hmm. uh um grandfather played a big role in just kind of enjoying life so really introduced me and some really strong memories of um just amazing food and just kind of the joy of it mm-hmm. as well too so having um having that as an adult and then just kind of have some instinct there too i was really fortunate to just kind of follow those instincts and uh, living and working in San Francisco for a little while, um, was able to connect with uh, uh, a restaurant group there uh, who actually was founded by the current governor of California. Oh. Yes, Mr. Newsom. Newsom. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which I could <clears throat> kind of share some stories there at some point, maybe <laughs> not in some, this capacity, but. Oh, uh, maybe. <laughs> but uh, maybe during a divorce, we got privy to some behind the ropes sort of behavior. Oh, anyway. mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, a little seedy <laughs> thing going yes, on. Yes, but yeah. uh, he was the mayor at the time and uh, able to, like, I. Fortunately, got got a position as a bartender at one of their new restaurants called Jack Falstaff. So, I was just wet, totally wet behind the ear. Um, you know, mid twenties, mid to late twenties, and uh, didn't really have much experience bartending. But then was just thrust into this ultra high end modern fine dining restaurant, mm-hmm. and it was one of those experiences where I leaned a lot on a couple of bartenders, and still really close to one of them. 20 years later, and uh, we just kind of bonded over these unique experiences, and most of it was just always learning as we're going, too. Like, there weren't any sort of set rules, mm-hmm. and, but there was a strong culture around it because um, sitting down at a table and, you know, over the course of the last 20 years or so as well, with like 
say like the Anthony Bourdain effect, right? Mm -hmm. People are becoming more connected to kind of, you know, the source. So we were one of the few sort of modern twists on the farm to table in Mm -hmm. the Bay area at the time. And, um, a lot of it was locally sourced product. Mm -hmm. So similar to like Chez Panisse at those times too, like we were, um, in that same sort of frequency where Chez Panisse was probably a little bit more rustic. This place was ultra fine where Mm -hmm. I first learned about sous vide and kind of that sort of process where, you know, cooking under vacuum, essentially sous is under Mm -hmm. sous chef and meat is vacuum. Um, so in a water bath and then understanding kind of the principles of, um, uh, proteins and sugars and all those sort of ideas that can form something visually and aesthetically pleasing, but then fundamentally still be a steak, Mm -hmm. you know? So, uh, living in that, uh, environment as well in San Francisco, we were able to, uh, have, um, just the variety Mm -hmm. as well too. So that was kind of my foundation. And then kind of evolving over the years and eventually, uh, working in sales and, in marketing for small wineries really gave me a chance to kind of expand and explore more of the West coast and become more Mm -hmm. connected to, um, product, you know, but then also have kind of a, uh, a founding sort of philosophy when it comes to like, um, you know, the source again Mm -hmm. too, and like how that source can play as a protagonist Mm -hmm. in kind of the story. And, continue to kind of connect people closer to, um, you know, why they like something or, you know, it's like, or why they don't. Hi, I'm Marilee Wallace, a board member of the Coeur d'Alene Arts and Culture Alliance and the owner of NIA, the North Idaho Alliance. We specialize in connecting women of all ages, experience, and backgrounds in our community. One of the ways to do this is at our annual Onward and Upward Women's Conference, and it's coming up on May 25th. Our speakers are amazing, so you don't want to miss this. Tickets are on sale at Eventbrite, and they're just $79 for the entire day. On your web browser, type in Onward and Upward Women's Conference 22. And if you still can't find us, talk to Allie and Callie. They can tell you how to find us. We'll look forward to seeing you on May 25th at the Onward and Upward Women's Conference. And oh, men are welcome, so feel free to bring them. So we just had to take a quick break because we had a customer. Because here we are. I know, we're right here in the Tubbs Coffee Roastery. Which is quite a fabulous place. And it smells great. (laughs) It does. (laughs) Where I'm enjoying a, a lovely cup of Mexico. The organic Chiapas. Oh, yes. What he said. And it's very good. I love it. It's rich and delicious. Mm -hmm. And um, uh, it's a great space. Uh, There's plenty of room. Mm -hmm. And uh, tell us more about this building. North North Hayden. Yes. Located at, what's the address? We are at uh, 13430 North Clovis Road. Clovis, mm-hmm. which is right off of Lancaster. Right. Yeah, and Highway um, 95. Yeah, and Highway 95. Yeah, so uh, if those who know this end of town know where Tobler Marina is and Gargoyle Granite. Right, mm-hmm. you're in between. Yeah, we're a little nook in between. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's interesting as a small business and coffee, right? Like, I mean, coffee is convenience. Mm-hmm. Right. We're in a very inconvenient location. <laughs> right. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And and in the space itself, um, and uh, 
primarily as a roaster, not uh, in the barista side of world, because mm-hmm. there are, from I think my perspective and I think a lot of roasters' perspectives, there's two segments in kind of this this industry from this consumer sort of facing thing is where um, the barista world is something so different, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's that's coffee as an ingredient. And um, those are espresso-based or non-espresso-based beverages. Right. Whereas uh, where I think more foundationally, what we are doing here is getting more connected to the source. Mm -hmm. Going back Mm -hmm. to that, where uh, if, you know, someone comes in here and has their own way that they brew it, whether it's pour over or French press or even a drip, uh, they can use us as uh, as a resource to then kind of understand more about what they like about a coffee bean mm-hmm. or maybe from Mexico. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. if they have <coughs> conventional or, or, or organic preferences on kind of their coffee selection, we can kind of help guide that. Right. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about your coffee and where it comes from and the different, the different uh, roasts that you feature. Yes. My yeah. favorite is the beast. The beast. The beast. Yes. yes. The beast is, is becoming, I think, uh, one of the, the fan favorites. Really? Yeah. As I was just over in Spokane uh, delivering to uh, Yolks, as we are uh, one of the suppliers there. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Love the folks at Yolks. Um, they, uh, Beast is doing well over there. So our blend program is really interesting because um, historically, uh, when you look at a roast and a roast profile, uh, a French roast or an Italian roast or a Viennese roast, like those really dark, oily uh, roasts, mm-hmm. were actually from beans that weren't always that high a quality. Oh, they really? May, yeah, they may have been 100% Arabica, which is a, a big distinction in mm-hmm. specialty coffee. Um, but to roast it darker like that, to get that that composition or kind of that profile, um, you're basically masking a lot of those inadequacies in like the overall flavor profile. Mm-hmm. So you can roast hotter, faster, more production, and then kind of as as a market uh most consumers have been kind of uh conditioned over the years to think that that's a level of quality Mm. like there's more bite you know there's Mm -hmm. a little bit more bitterness and then typically too like when you look at coffee um as something that you add something to it so like you're you're doing like cream and sugar, which is totally fine. I mean, mm-hmm. coffee as a vehicle is great. You know? Yeah, right. I mean, it's got caffeine. Like everybody, need, you know, most people enjoy that and need mm-hmm. it. Right. Um, In the morning, especially. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. There's a ritual. Uh, so, you know, my program here is to then look at it more um, similar to, say, like a nice tomahawk ribeye, right? So, like, you spend all this money on this, like, this beautiful piece of meat Mm -hmm. why would you cook it well done yeah right don't ruin it yeah Yeah. totally totally. like you're gonna get the most flavor out of that Mm -hmm. when you go to medium to medium rare and that's very similar to where you see light roasts and medium roasts kind of Mm -hmm. as a profile in general um really kind of capture more of that black coffee drinker Mm -hmm. but then also too you know here drinking this um chiapas from mexico um 
you know, I, I try and design our roast profiles that really kind of preserve those sort of, you know, origin characteristics. Mm -hmm. Um, but predominantly not only where it comes from, but how it's processed is going to control some of that is going to actually like not control, but then kind of lead some of that flavor. Sure. Mm -hmm. And the two classic methods are either naturally processed, which are, um, typically from coffee growing regions that don't have a more accessible, um, uh, water source. Oh, uh huh. So they just basically harvest the the fruit straight from the the plant, mm -hmm. and then over time, it's allowed to just naturally kind of decompose or ferment, if you mm -hmm. will, to um, to then um, have those sugars that are still part of that too, kind of impart on the seed or the bean. But then over time, in the generalized sort of sense, then uh, when it's raked or conditioned or even depulped. Um, it's easier to then extract the seed from that flesh. Mm -hmm. But through that, then kind of a common sort of um, uh, understanding as far as from a roaster or a green buyer's perspective is that all coffee is fermented. It just is more of a naturally occurring process that allows the flesh of the cherry to become a little bit more um, easier to clean from, mm -hmm. from the bean itself. And then Conversely, from uh, more, you know, natural resources with water, uh, you find like wash coffees. And wash coffees um, tend to have a little bit more of a cleaner cup. So you get more of kind of that brighter fruit character, mm -hmm. uh, more nuts and kind of like that classic like chocolate. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, Boy, this all sounds very similar to the whole winemaking process. Yeah. Yes. And, and, you know, blending and... and mm -hmm. The culture and the grapes and mm -hmm. and that sort of thing. It's really fascinating that it it all kind of uh, parallels. It does. There are really strong parallels in production, in supply, and kind of like farming practices and like pest management. Like the whole thing. Oh has yeah. This very oh, sort yeah. of really cool arcing sort of mm -hmm. um, kind of similarities there. But yeah. So I guess too to kind of go back to the, the blends is that. Sourcing and then uh, kind of blending um, took a little bit of time, but then also too, like I'm a self-taught roaster, mm -hmm. so uh, and uh, I think someone else in this room can attest that I have a, a somewhat of a healthy obsessive sort of nature when I come to learn something new. Oh, is that Bubbles over there? <laughs> bubbles, <laughs> Kristen Kilmer. Hmm? Yeah, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I think brother. that... Brother, yes. <laughs> sister. <laughs> yes. Bubbles. <laughs> Bubbles. Mm -hmm. um, I think that, you know, kind of uh, with having that food and beverage background and having spent a number of years in the wine industry as well, like I really relied just on my instincts and my palate to really kind of guide, uh, you know, the blending program that we have here, but then use those fundamentals with like naturally processed and wash processed. Mm -hmm. and then, you know, look at um, also the financial side of it too like what's more sustainable um and then from a consumer's perspective too are most consumers like interested in origin coffees surprisingly no yeah oh really <laughs> yeah yeah surprisingly oh, wow. no like there's a lot just of more get interest. me some caffeine i just need yeah, it, it now just, it fundamentally like most people gravitate and i'm one of them too they gravitate towards familiarity and familiarity could be a brand name it could be mm -hmm. um a, some sort of pet name attached to it as well which um you know 
finding those those strengths um, and just creating a brand as a whole mm-hmm. is what we're all about. But it's more too where we're transitioning to getting more of our origins mm-hmm. out right. there as we're. Well, I love um, the fact <clears throat> that you're not influenced by others before you and that you're bringing your own unique signature to this coffee. Then that makes it special. Yeah, thank you. And I understand that you just got your organic stamp. We did. Yay. Yeah. So all of your coffee is organic? No. No. Some. Some of it. Some of it, yeah. Okay. So we, <clears throat> I guess you could say that uh, over the years, or I could just say it, uh, that over the years, having worked in the wine industry and worked shoulder to shoulder with some of the vineyard managers and winemakers, um, you know, being organic in that industry actually carried a, uh, many years of kind of a negative Mm -hmm. oh really yeah yeah because Mm -hmm. it was deemed to go through all those sort of steps that um you basically were degrading the fact that like you know um to be that heavily regulated in the in the vineyard um it was a lesser quality so at the very least though most of the i'm fortunate to work with some really amazing winemakers um they were organic just not certified and they actually right. took it to another level, which was biodynamics. So mm-hmm. that's like taking organics to more of that celestial sort of like calendar and kind of adding some other sort of really interesting aspects to um, composting. But mm-hmm. um, we use our organic certification here definitely um, to, to build on because um, that is how most identify quality here as well, too. And mm-hmm. at, bare minimum though we are a specialty grade roaster which uh as you can see in these cups here okay um looking mostly at the green Mm -hmm. um you see like there's they're all about the same size Mm -hmm. they all look the same as well too so that goes through the sorting process which actually comes through as why are these beans green so those are the, that's the raw form after oh, it's I been see. processed and then dried mm-hmm. and then shipped after it's been holed as well too. So okay. um, that is ready to then go into the roaster mm-hmm. and then, then become that. As, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So this there. is the roast. We should take a picture of that. I know. Yeah. You should take a picture of that. Yeah. And we'll put we've it on a, our. We've got a couple others there too. Which oh, okay. Are kind of an interesting cool. sort of contrast, but um yeah, it's so, and I think that, you know, kind of, again, kind of tying more towards that source and then the process, you know, really allows, I think, kind of a little bit more freedom of choice too, where if someone likes the idea that like, hey, I tried a unique coffee from Mexico, um, that was fun. What else is there? Then it mm-hmm. just kind of opens the whole door. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And like the light bulb that I've been trying to like help turn on for, for those who seek us out in our cozy little nook here <laughs> uh, is Kenya coffee. Mm. It is, well, African coffee as a whole is just. Phenomenal. It, it's, it's vast. It's right. like, yeah, it's like going to Italy and trying to drink all the wine in Italy like you're like oh but I'd try I would too I would <laughs> let's join do you it. Let's, <laughs> let's go let's book it let's do it book it Dan yeah. Yeah. book it yeah we're ready yeah, yeah. that would be a lifetime mm-hmm. yeah it's just uh, Kenya to me was one of the the light bulbs like about 15 years ago where um, I just had had kind of a standard cappuccino 
um, and I drank it as is, didn't add anything to it, but yet it just had like this really bright kind of like tropical note to it. And I was mm. like, what? And I walked up to the barista and I'm like, yo, what is this? <laughs> tell me more. Right. <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. And since then I'd been trying to kind of recreate that or at least mm -hmm. like seek it out whenever I was in a new place. And it really surprised me until um, just a few years ago where there's a roaster in Portland. I'm not going to plug them, but uh, they mostly focus on Kenya coffee. Mm. And um, I was just, I was in heaven because mm -hmm. they were a few blocks from my house. Oh, cool. Yeah, and it just gave me a chance to kind of explore mm -hmm. all those different sort of aspects of Kenya coffee, whether it's either naturally processed or mm -hmm. washed or any one of the other sort of exotic processings too. But um, to so me... So is Kenyan coffee your favorite? You could you say, yeah, yeah. But, it, you know, similar to like wine or I think yeah. like, you know, kind of food, it's mood-driven too, right? Like, True. You know, oh, I yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... There are mornings here where I'm like, oh, you know, it's like a nice sunny day and it's kind of warming up and just maybe a little, you know, kind of pour over of Kenya sounds great. Mm -hmm. or, um, maybe it's raining and, uh, you know. You want a something gloomy. a little more robust. Yeah, I want something a little darker, you mm -hmm. know. But, Isn't um, it crazy the, the trend? I mean, I, I came from Colorado or Utah, I don't know, whenever, in the 90s. So I was in the Rocky Mountain area. Mm -hmm. And then... There was no coffee in the 80s and 90s. Right. I mean, 90s, it changed. But I moved to Seattle in 90, 80, I don't even know what year it was, 85. That sounds right. I don't know, somewhere in there. And then there was a few coffee companies, just a few. Mm -hmm. And then the Northwest became coffee. Coffee heaven. Every, every corner had a coffee stand, every yeah. corner. And then... Mm -hmm. So, Still do. And now it's it's like worldwide. I mean, mm -hmm. so how do you feel? Except in Virginia. Except in Virginia. Yeah, it's really so hard to find So maybe Tubbs out. needs to go to Virginia. Yeah, maybe so to how, <laughs> <laughs> how, do you, how do you feel like how, how hard is it to break into this business? I mean, as a coffee roaster, I mean, I know there's been companies out there forever and there are people that are diehard fans of certain companies that are nationwide, which I think are kind of crap coffee in my mm. opinion but i won't name their names you know sure. but but um yeah how do you break in there you know how how hard has it been that dog year year yeah the year. one that yeah. Felt like yeah seven felt like seven yeah. yeah okay yeah yeah absolutely i mean it's it's a roller coaster for mm -hmm. sure and uh Having um, worked through some preliminary stuff with like looking at some financing and submitting some business plans and mm -hmm. then, um, not getting much response, yeah. and getting some response based on like just statistics, being treated as a statistic. It's like right. those sort of things actually, I think as a small business owner and someone who's like, you know, um, with a partner who's also our dad, mm -hmm. um, he you know, he believes in this and he believes in me. Mm -hmm. And then to have that drive of being rejected, yeah. which also having been in sales for a number of years, um, takes a lot for, yeah. to get under my skin. So to break in something, you need to have resilience mm -hmm. and in a competitive market like this too. You need to be creative. Mm -hmm. And then also I think where uh, a lot of small businesses here in North Idaho and Eastern Washington are starting to recognize more so is the importance of 
people. Um, local. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So where else can we get your coffee besides just at Tubbs? Uh, well, we speaking of local, mm-hmm. uh, just as of this year, uh, we were approved uh, with Super One. So we're in the eight Super Ones in North Idaho. That's awesome. And then we have um, the 10 Yokes stores between um, Sandpoint, Post Falls, and then in the greater Spokane area. That's mm-hmm. great. Um, yeah. And then we have uh, a little store in Missoula as well. Oh. Yep. So for Super. Any of those Montana traveling folks. Or yeah. Check Missou- it out. Missoula listeners. <laughs> yo. Yo, <Right>? yo. <laughs> uh, Get your Patty tubs Creek coffee. Market over there. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then soon to get over to the uh, the Burnt Fork, which is in um, Stevensville. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Um, and then, uh, yeah, here at Tubbs. And then we could. We're also at 315, the Greenbrier. Oh, nice. Awesome. Oh, great. Yeah. Yeah. And then I heard a little rumor, Live After Five. Oh, Live After after Five. five. We'll be down there this summer. That's great. And we'll have kind of a a hybridized sort of little tubs sort of stand. So Mm -hmm. uh, we'll do cold brew and cortados. What's what okay. cortados? I was going to yes, say, what is that? Exactly. And that's <laughs> What <perfect>. is that? <laughs> Anyone? Someone doesn't know what it is, we're in the right spot. Uh, <laughs> I have no idea. So it's it's a, originated in España in Spain, mm-hmm. um, and it's equal parts espresso and steamed milk. Oh. With a little bit of foam, not much. Mm-hmm. But the idea there is to find that balance with kind of that beautiful relationship of milk, milk and espresso because mm-hmm. If you go too much, then it's milky. Yeah. If you go too less, then it might be a little too bitter. But mm. just generally, and depending on the roast as well, too, mm-hmm. which a Kenyan cortado can be almost like dessert. Mm. Um, yeah. So we'll have a small little espresso machine there, and hopefully we don't get hammered. On it, but, <laughs> um, the idea is to then uh, offer cold brew. Right. And then some whole bean and uh, a little bit of merchandise. Mm-hmm. And then we're giving out some free smiles talking about coffee yes and um just trying to kind of get your name out there yeah Yeah, maybe a koozie or two who knows Mm -hmm. that's awesome nice and then yeah beyond that like we've got uh a few hotels that we're going to be working with oh good a couple resorts as this area continues to grow Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. and then we'll be expanding more in direct store delivery into montana oh that's great by the end of this year and can people buy it online and online as well at tubscoffeeroasters.com for sure. Cool. Yeah. And yeah. I see I'm, it easy I'm drinking out of these beautiful mugs. Right. Who makes made. these? Yeah, your awesome mugs. Right. Tubs mugs. Bonnie Joe McMahill, McMahill which always <laughs> just seems so strange for me to say. Because... It seems like just our 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 Aunt Bonnie. Aunt Bonnie. Aunt Bonnie. Yeah, to say her full name. Yeah, Aunt <laughs> like Bonnie. Aunt Bonnie. Uh, the youngest of the aunts, mm-hmm. and um, so she's retired in the in the last couple of years, mm-hmm. and uh, has always been super 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 creative. Mm-hmm. And uh, when we were opening our business, she's like, "Hey, I'll make you some mugs," and it's turned into they're awesome to to jars. Yeah, so. We have the smaller mugs, which are just here for um, uh, anyone who decides to kind of hang out in here and have a little coffee. Or we have some larger mugs, which I have. I have one. Kristen gave it to me. I mean, Bubbles gave it to me for um, my birthday last year. Love it. Bubbles. 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 Mention how they're handmade. 
And they are they, handmade. They're handmade. They are handmade. Yes. She yeah. throws them and she puts your logo on it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We should. She does probably, a beautiful job. Well, she's actually going to uh, a some sort of uh, class in the next like couple weeks to where she's learning how to tile Ooh. also on mugs with like independent sort of like creative designs as well cool oh, wow yeah so she has an etsy uh store as well too so we definitely got to plug her because, oh yeah for sure yeah bjm pottery oh cool yeah yeah art and coffee art and art coffee. and coffee so yeah. much and and looks like you have room to hang some art in this mm-hmm. beautiful building i think it's been kind of yeah a dis- topic of discussion where we're going to find a little time mm-hmm. to, to uh, then showcase an artist or yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, whether it's on the wall or a sculpture. Mm-hmm. Or, uh-huh. Yeah. Probably by the end of the summer, though, we'll have enough beans in here to where this little section here will kind of be a, its own space a little bit more. So, Ooh, but, we'll cool. have to come in here for that. That'll, Absolutely. Yeah. I bet it'll really smell good in here then. <laughs> it already does. <laughs> it smells great. I love the smell of coffee. Oh, boy. I know. It, it, if I could, like, hang some sort of, like, absorbing air freshener by the <laughs> Kind of like McDonald's, just, like, d- used to have that smell of French fries. Did you know that you, they used to, s- like... Waft it through yeah. the restaurant? Yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. Out onto the street. Really? The, yeah. Oh. I heard that. I don't know I if it's true. it's true. I bet it's true. figure out how to do that on Highway 95. Yeah, <laughs> I know. Right? Just coffee. I just smell coffee. Yeah. Go to tubs. <laughs> yeah, right? And then just have a... Go to tubs. Hang a right on Lancaster. <laughs> go, go. <laughs> you know, I heard, uh, uh, this is a little interesting fact that I just wanted to point oh, out. Oh, yeah. After the Boston Tea Party of 1773, large numbers of Americans switched to drinking coffee during the American Revolution because drinking tea had become unpatriotic so be patriotic and drink tubs coffee (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying hey y'all it's jason from tubs coffee roasters we are north idaho's specialty coffee roaster we are homegrown and we are local we love coffee and we love our community especially Allie and callie in our cast we have a retail space in our roastery in Hayden, and we can also be found on the shelves at Super One and Yolks. And if you like to buy coffee online, we do offer subscriptions. You can find us at tubscoffeeroasters.com. Support arts and culture and your local roaster. That's all. So Jason, I'd love to hear a little bit about the different coffees that you work with and the actual process of roasting How long does it take? Yeah. Well, if you were to guess, go ahead. A day. A d- one day. <laughs> one day. <laughs> I'm a bad guesser. I think. I have no idea. Uh, yeah. Well, there's a f- there's there's a there's a general sort of time frame that um, depending on the, the the weight of the roast. Right? Okay. So <clears throat> our roaster uh, at full capacity can hold about 25 pounds. Mm-hmm. Um, that would take about 15 minutes to roast. Oh. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I was not you too far right? off. Yeah. <laughs> no. I was April thinking, I was, <laughs> I was thinking like rock tumbler takes a week to get some action. Oh, right. and <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Anyway. 
Oh, it's, wow, that's fast. It's yeah, hot. yeah. That is fast. That's not it's bad. Fast and hot. Mm-hmm. Like as the, uh, well, and it's pretty. That's pretty big. It is a yeah, big machine. Yeah, yeah. And we so uh, doing research on kind of trying to find the best machine that, um, as a new roaster, I feel like I could you know understand more so about just kind of the fundamentals of it is that we uh, chose Probot, which is a German manufacturer that is the oldest commercial oh. manufacturer of roasters. Mm-hmm. And I'm a huge fan of cast iron in the kitchen. Yes. And, uh, the entire faceplate there where like the drop gate and everything mm-hmm. is and the sight glass and the trier handle, that's all cast iron. Oh, awesome. So if it can be seasoned, sign me up. And yeah. that's kind of the goal there is to then... Um, It'll last forever. Yeah, and have our unique sort of, you know, seasoning kind of go with our coffee as yeah. well too. But um, so the differences of coffee really that we do is we're predominantly Arabica, which is of specialty coffee. It's that uh, high altitude, shade grown, small farms, hand harvested, um, you know, more brighter sort of classic coffee. Uh, uh, species of coffee and then mm-hmm. robusta which is, over the years got kind of a bad sort of connotation because it was uh folgers and Ugh. the old oh, school uh-huh. the old school so yeah robusta was able to grow at lower elevations be a little bit more um commercially farmed so mm-hmm. through, remember just, sanka yeah, you, Sanka. You, you ban. You ban. You oh ban. my God! The oh, so big. That, speaking of cats, that'd be like a good name for a cat. You ban. Oh, you ban. You ban. You ban. Or Sanka. Yeah, you ban. <laughs> or Sanka. Or Sanka. Sanka, come Hill, here. Hills brothers. Hills brothers. Uh, Folgers, yeah. come here, Folgers. Right. Yeah. Um, oh, we got. We could go on forever. Right. So, uh, <laughs> we do use a little bit of organically farmed mm-hmm. um, robusta, and it's part of our blend program where. Um, the idea there is then to roast roast any one of those coffees individually <clears throat> and find kind of that optimal roast profile then um, so that uh, when we do blend, it's a post-roast blend. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like similar to like kind of mixing some things in a spice rack where you're trying to right. okay. find a balance. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but designing a roast profile, uh, you, there's a, just a couple key metrics without giving away our secret sauce, but the mm-hmm. kind of common practice is that you want to find out the bean density, mm-hmm. which the more dense the bean is, then that's you design a roast profile a little differently. Sure. Um, and then find out the moisture content. And those are the bean density is really easy. It's a scale and a granulated or graduated s- cylinder. Um, and it's just a weight to volume sort of uh, metric there. Mm-hmm. And then moisture typically has a few parameters to where you're just trying to understand kind of how it'll react in the roaster mm-hmm. based off a few sort of guiding principles and those principles are set by the few phases of a roast which are once the roaster is up to temperature which we usually charge at a higher temperature right right above 400 degrees oh okay um and uh charging means that you're going you're introducing the raw beans from the hopper into the drum itself Mm -hmm. and then that first uh, stage where those beans are actually then absorbing um, the uh, the heat in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they go through a phase then where they start to actually like take on the heat and it's called the turning point. And then once that turning point is marked, which we use uh, some technology there called Cropster, where we can actually chart 
um, things through a laptop connected to the machine. It's all controlled through the click of a mouse. Um, then we're marking these events and um, we're looking at this graph where from the turning point to the end of the next phase is the drying phase. And if you have a more dense bean, you want to kind of manage that drying phase in a little lengthier process where it could be anywhere from five to like seven minutes. Mm -hmm. And the idea there is that you're, you're very similar to like cooking a steak is like you're not searing it on the outside and then it's raw on the inside because then you get an underdeveloped roast. Right. And then you have like these really very bad grassy sort of hay-like flavors, which mm. I did Ooh. one a couple years ago in a in our little sample roaster. Mm -hmm. And I made a pot in the morning and then I went for a walk with the dog and I was drinking the coffee and I was like, what is happening here? <laughs> and I had kind of intended to do something different, but then it turned out and I was like, oh, and then, you know, like... The idea with roasting too is like you're always collecting this data so that sure. you can be consistent. Mm -hmm. um, but so we're through the drying phase, and then once the drying phase is over, you're looking at about a 300 degrees for the bean temperature now to be recorded, and then it goes into the Maillard phase. So any of those foodies that listen, the Maillard phase is actually like the caramelization. So mm -hmm. You're searing a steak, those proteins and sugars on the outside are actually caramelizing. Mm -hmm. So that's where you're getting into kind of the goodness, yeah. um, kind mm -hmm. of the richness and, the, and those sugars creating the sweetness in the cup. Um, white coffee, which... I'm I've sure. heard of and I don't really I, understand. So the bean temperature plays a significant role in kind of like where we're targeting sort of like roasts mm -hmm. and French roast will just commonly known as like the dark oily roast, right? Mm -hmm. That's a bean temperature from when the roast ends roughly at about 450 to 60 degrees. So a white roast, a white coffee is about 330 degrees. Mm -hmm. So it's right after it ends its drying phase, goes into its browning or Maillard phase it starts to slowly kind of caramelize, but then it's got just this sweet kind of like nuttiness to it. Um, and it's oh. still super dense too. So it doesn't, it quite hasn't lost a lot of its moisture. Mm -hmm. So to get a white coffee properly brewed, you need like almost like a spice grinder to kind of break it up. Oh, hmm. wow. Yeah. And then it's also like you can go into solubility and all these other things where it's fun when people come in and they ask like, why don't you do a white coffee? And I'm like, do you have time to talk about <laughs> <laughs> the actual like physical makeup of this? But right. it's but it's unique because the theory is that the 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 lighter the roast, the more caffeine. <clears throat> Which oh really? Yeah, yeah, I would have thought the opposite. Yeah, well, if you roast something longer, it does physically start to kind of you know break break down it down. More, so. I gotcha. But there are different varieties of arabica, mm -hmm. like similar to wine, cabernet, pinot noir, those mm -hmm. sort of things. Uh, Arabica has like Catua, yellow Bourbon, or Bourbon, and a few others. Some of those just inherently have more caffeine in them. Mm -hmm. So d regardless of how you roast it, you're going to get a, a bigger caffeine bump on those. But back to roasting itself is that, so once you, you're browning, and once you've gone through this caramelization phase, um, it's about 380 degrees on average is where um, the bean itself starts to release its moisture that's trapped in this membrane and it makes a cracking and popping sound and it's called first crack. And you mark, you mark it on uh, the software that we use we, and that's when 
the, the, the real flavor of the bean starts to develop. Um, and we target, me, I target like somewhere around 20% development of the overall length of the roast. So if we're looking at like a 12 minute roast, you know, then we're looking at about two and a half minutes of development time mm -hmm. in addition to. So the idea there is that like you're being able to kind of mark those sort of um, events and then really capture that development because once you go beyond say 430 degrees <clears throat> in bean temperature then it starts to quickly move through mm -hmm. a, a few of those cycles where right. you go into you can go into a french roast profile pretty fast and then if you're really trying to get to a like a viennese roast and you know some higher temperatures there um a fire is not that far off from happening oh, in, a, in a machine. Yeah, yeah. So it's it's right about 480 degrees is mm -hmm. where you can actually have fire. Wow. Yeah, and I've read some stories and just kind of like every time we, I roast, I roast our Robusta to that French roast level. Um, mm -hmm. I always just think like, gosh, you know, like gotta just be on your, be careful. your game. Right. Be careful. Be careful. So. Right. Well, you, I typically drop our roasts anywhere from 400 to about 440 mm -hmm. on our um, overall program. And to me, that's where, uh, you know, within that sort of structure, you're getting those just optimal flavors mm -hmm. of how it's processed, where it comes from, and, um, you know, the freshness of it, too. So right. similar to wine, like there's also crop years. Mm -hmm. um, so our goal is to kind of continue to build on that. And, um, you know, kind of connect more people to mm -hmm. the roasting. And the How freshness. do you choose the beans? Yeah. So I think it's very similar to like how you kind of, you know, you're, you're choosing a, um, a, a flavor profile um, based off of, you know, kind of where, uh, you know, you, I can make some personal decisions, mm -hmm. <laughs> but then everything would be kind of based off my own palate. But ultimately... I'm looking at like traditional characteristics of, you know, a medium roast profile and where the beans come from. So mm -hmm. predominantly washed coffee from Central America has those classic kind of chocolatey notes. Mm -hmm. Okay. So I want to like try and capture those with like, you know, our Chiapas or Honduras or the Costa Rica. Um, is they all share a very similar sort of, you know, growing climate and um, mountain range there. So you get some strong similarities, but... You know, they're all varying different levels. Mm -hmm. So one may be a little bit more bittersweet kind of chocolate. The other one might be a little bit more milky. But you're going to find that, you know, each one of those things are a little bit more foundational. So mm -hmm. I try to choose things based on variety, mostly, too, and kind of treat it like a wine list as well. So we do offer uh, an Arabica coffee from India, mm -hmm. which is really unique. In mm -hmm. The way that it's processed is kind of interesting because it's washed mm -hmm. but then during the British Raj and the the voyage back to Great Britain the the beans themselves would be exposed to the the sea the sea air and then they'd dry them out again once they got to Great Britain and mm. then it created just this very strong pale hay-like hay kind of color mm -hmm. and then when they'd roast they'd lost a lot of their density so they would just roast super quick so it's hard not to it's hard to roast those light mm -hmm. in a balanced cup so you get just like this really unique sort of like earthy, savory, like um, right. cigar tobacco, hmm. dark chocolate sort of profile. Hmm. And 
sourcing unique beans like that to me is kind of where our goal is, is to sure. get the variety oh, okay. and, um, and then mm -hmm. also kind of promote more of the, want to try something different. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the ritual of coffee itself is great, but if you can actually like kind of have a little bit of mix up there where, sure, yeah, where we actually have subscriptions and we're, we're building a coffee club as well to where, oh, fun. We'll have a, yeah, we'll have a roaster's choice. So mm -hmm. every month you'll get a different coffee. Oh, cool. Yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. So what are your basic, ro your blends. Yeah, blends that you have that you offer like in the grocery store? Yes, so we offer the teacher's pet, which is considered our medium roast, mm -hmm. or kind of a, a, from a classic uh, roaster's profile, a full city roast, so kind of the darker end of the medium spectrum. And that's uh, predominantly a wash Colombian, but 100% Arabica. Mm -hmm. um, it's really nice and juicy and mild, and it's got some kind of good chocolate and fruit. Mm -hmm. I've heard caramel before as well. Mm -hmm. I think there's a little kind of ripe cantaloupe flavor in there as well. I love it. It sounds like you're talking to a winemaker. <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> is it coffee or wine? What pepper. is it? No, no. It right. sounds great. <laughs> same, the same in my eyes. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and then for those who like a little darker, uh, the Beast. Mm -hmm. Yep, which, that's your favorite. Yeah, yes. Which also has kind of a similar makeup with a washed and natural mm -hmm. um, uh, mix of coffees from Colombia and Brazil with a little washed Ethiopian, which brings it a little floral note, mm -hmm. um, a little brighter acidity as well, too, which works well in kind of the espresso based drinks. But then uh, we blend in some Robusta. Okay. And the other thing to highlight, too, is Robusta has twice the caffeine as it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. No wonder I'm zipping around after in the morning. Woohoo! Yeah. Little extra jolts. Oh, right. boy. Yeah. And then the double eagle, which also is kind of a darker profile. The goal there was to get more balance and um, kind of understanding the acidity side of coffee and blending and the drying phase as well to kind of hold, kind of temper some of that acidity. Um, we work with a... Indonesian coffee um, that has classically been known to be lower acid, in addition mm -hmm. to Robusta as well, which we blend in there. So mm -hmm. both little lower acid to kind of get that balanced sort of smooth profile. Yeah, mm, that's good. Yeah. Nice. nice. Yeah. And then we also, I think one of our foundations in our coffee is um, we do decaf, which now building a following with our decaf mm -hmm. as well, which is all mountain water process so there's different ways to decaffeinate coffee but the classic swiss mountain water process is um, to where the caffeinated coffee just kind of standard mm -hmm. is uh, soaked in water and then that tea that's created is then um, pulled from the coffee and the caffeine itself is soluble so then most of that caffeine is in that tea mm -hmm. and that's extracted uh, in a natural process, and mm -hmm. then it's re the waters, uh, the decaffeinated water is then reintroduced to the beans. To gotcha. Re resaturate. Oh wow, that's great. Yeah, and then dried out again. So, looking at decaffeinated coffee versus kind of standard coffee here as well in a raw form, mm -hmm. notice that like it just physically just looks different, and it's all because of that water process. Right. Yeah. That makes sense. But there are solvent methods, but you know our goal is to just be 
strictly natural. Yes, that's great. Of, yeah, resources. Well, I think that's what most connoisseurs of coffee are looking for. Um, my daughter is one of them. She's always, she's very picky about coffee. Picky is good. Yeah. In fact, when she comes to visit, I'm going to bring her here to visit you. Yeah. Oh. You guys will love talking yeah. about coffee, I think. Oh. <laughs> well, yeah, when she comes, too, we do on Saturdays, um, by reservation on our website, uh, mm -hmm. we have hour-long uh, cupping sessions. And cupping is a, uh, a best practice that's used mostly by roasters to where after each batch, uh, there's a 1 to 16 ratio, kind of mm -hmm. similar to brewing uh, as well, but uh, it's a steeped uh, kind of a French press grind. <clears throat> but the idea there is to have a very linear uh, method of brewing there to where the, uh, the cup itself is um, just about 160 grams of water, but then you're getting kind of a, a wine flight kind of experience to where oh wow each coffee is brewed the same way and mm -hmm. then you're 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 tasting these individually mm -hmm. um, and uh, the goal as a roaster there is to then just kind of identify any sort of variations in the roast um, wh whether it was one of those underdeveloped or overdeveloped roasts right. where you don't quite get the sweetness or the balance in the cup mm -hmm. but then for our for our cuppings on Saturday I go I go through the flight and mm -hmm. um, we talk about our supply chain, the roasting process. And then it kind of becomes just, a, it's always turned into like this fun conversation because there's a lot of just <clears throat> unknown territory for um, asking questions on brewing mm -hmm. or why one coffee tastes different than the other. And it's truly just a way for me to sneak in a Kenya coffee too. <laughs> right. There you go. <laughs> Well, this has been yeah. so informational. I, I, I know. I am It's a culture of coffee I, I didn't really know a lot about. And uh, I know I drank a lot of coffee. Yeah. So this has been great, Jason. And the Jason. creativity that it comes is. in with the makes me appreciate it a yeah, lot more. A lot right. of work goes into that cup yeah. of coffee. And we really appreciate this Mexico cup of coffee. <laughs> 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 so we want to make sure that you all go to Tubbs Coffee. Right, or find it in your local grocery store. That's right, and that at the village. What's the village? The what? village bakery. Uh, oh, and also, too, oh. yeah, we have to highlight our friends at oh, our village that's bakery. Oh, that's village bakery, yes. Yeah, the wonderful new addition to the bakery scene in mm -hmm. Hayden. Uh, mm -hmm. they, they have us as their house coffee there, so... Um, Check them out. And they yeah. employ um, special, uh, needs. special needs. Yep. Adults. Special needs. Yep. Adults. Yeah, and teaching them the skills mm -hmm. to... Um, Which we totally support. Absolutely. Oh, it is just heartstrings every yeah. time I go in there. It's wonderful. Yeah. And Dana yeah. and Todd are just wonderful people. So great business, great addition. But um, mm -hmm. yeah. So cool. Thank well, you. thank you, Jason. This has been awesome. Absolutely. It's yeah. been a real treat. Now my first podcast is in the books. You yeah. did it. Check. You're, you're Check. done. <laughs> awesome. All right. Well, I'm Allie. And I'm Callie. And whatever you do today, make sure you have a cup of coffee mm -hmm. and make sure your day is creative. The Alley and Cali Artcast is a program of the Coeur d'Alene Arts and Culture Alliance and is sponsored by NIA, 
North Idaho Alliance, a woman-based leadership organization designed to inspire, uplift, and impact your community and lives. And Tubbs Coffee Roasters, globally sourced, locally roasted coffee. 